The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. It's that time where we must go down to sacrifice and worship our Lord in Shiloh. Yes, yes, I know, Hophni and Phineas. They make a mockery of God there, but, but... We can't let their debauchery stop us from doing what we know is right. We have finally made it to Shiloh, all thanks be to God. A sacrifice to our Lord. Okay, Panea, here is some meat for you. And children, children, here is your portion. Ah, Hannah, my loved. For you, here is a double portion. Hmm? <laughs> Hannah, why are you, why are you weeping? Why aren't you eating the food that I gave you? A double portion doesn't help the fact that I'm without a son. Come on, Hannah, like, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> I have to go. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on the servant's misery and remember me and, and, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord. How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. This week we are kicking off our exploration of the book of Samuel with Samuel chapter 1. We will be introduced to a family whose dynamic mimics others we have studied at other points in the Bible. However, we again see how faith and earnestly crying out to God can change any situation. Be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Hopefully everyone had a good week. Everyone out there stayed healthy. We really appreciate you guys tuning in again. Definitely hit that like button. Subscribe if you have not subscribed yet. Uh, and please tell a friend or a family member about our podcast. Definitely appreciate it. Helps us out a lot. And like I said, this year we're trying to grow, trying to do some new things. 
We actually had a good conversation last Sunday about all the things we want to accomplish this year. By the grace of God, they'll come to fruition with some planning and hard work. But we definitely feel like we're on the right track and we'll see how God leads. So last week, we wrapped up the book of Ruth. The book that was a, would you say it was like a nice story? It was, it had a lot of symbology and yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, Boaz, nice and pleasant. Boaz was a nice redeem. It was a nice change of pace from Judges, the end of Judges. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. So, well, I guess the thought first. So I guess one thing I was dealing with, I was telling Kazi right before the podcast, especially today in particularly, was just the whole concept of humility. I know I'm human, naturally, but there's times in lives when we feel that like we've been wronged or that like we deserve certain things and that, like, just, just straight up, like, I deserve this. But when you see things don't go your way, your pride starts getting the better of you. Mm-hmm. And that might lead to all sorts of feelings, jealousy, anger, envy. So today I was just, I was just grappling with that. But I remember the verse in 1 Peter 5, verse 6 through 7, humble yourselves then under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in his own good time. Leave all your worries to him because he cares for you. And it's interesting, like, I mean especially through the pod and actually studying the Bible more. It's like, I feel like I'm closer to certain things that just pop in my mind more and I'm more conscious of it. But it just struck me because I'm like, yo, why do you feel this way? And if you trust God has a plan for you, even though you might feel slighted. And there's so many other verses like this in the Bible. If you go to like in James four, it says, Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing in love with one another. And I guess my whole thing is, it's like, be humble. Be, have, have that spirit of humility. God really loves and appreciates that. And when you're humble and you put your trust and care in God, he says, and in his own good time, he will, he will lift you up. He will lift you up in his own good time. So leave your worries to him because he cares for you. And, and that's so reassuring because you may be like, God, I deserve this. But at the same time, God's saying, yeah, I care for you. I know what you want, but I have something better planned for you. And <coughs> pardon me. I don't know as man, like, Sometimes the things of our hearts contain in our desires are just simply saying we don't need those. So it just really takes humility and trust to actually like believe in God's plan for your life. So, I mean, I mean, that's all I got to say on that topic. I don't really want to belabor it per se on my end. <clears throat> no, I feel like that's a good point. Um, another thing I'll say, speaking of James, James one nineteen. You notice, my beloved brothers and sisters, now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Verse 20, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. So, you know, that's even something for me because some stuff really has ticked me off. Like, even, even if I don't, you know, even if I don't react in my mind, I might think, you know, and just be upset and angry. 
But yeah, we we should all, we should be slow to anger. And God is actually described as slow to anger. You know, mm-hmm. and, and in the Old Testament, I had somebody come to me this week and was like, "Yo, <laughs> we better be happy that God don't get as mad as He did in the Old Testament, right?" And I was like, "Well, I don't I don't even feel like God's temperament changed like at all." You know what I mean? Like when we see the anger of God, that's after years and maybe centuries or maybe generations and generations of people poking God at the one, not the one spot, poking God at, at, at in one spot where he's very adamant about having a low tolerance for. Like, and that's, that's mainly idols. Like we see mm-hmm. God was very vocal about no idols, no idols, no idols, no idols, right? And they keep poking and poking and poking and poking and poking. And then when God react, and not even by reacting, like sometimes it didn't even God say, I bring in plagues. You see what God do to Pharaoh them? Israelites never get that. You know what I mean? Like God mm-hmm. make an example out of them and they worship all type of idols, by the way. But um, it would just be a matter of God saying, all right, you want to worship Baal, right? I'll give you over to the hands of people who worship Baal and they'll force you to worship him. You understand? Like you want to be a part of them. I'll, 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 with, I'll withdraw my protection. You, you understand what I'm saying? But people take that as saying, you know, God is angry and they feel like we justified it in anger. But the only the only things biblically that I've seen where we have a right to be angry about is for the work of God. You understand what I'm saying? We could be zealous and indignant mm-hmm. um, for like the work of God, like standing up for the poor, and, you know, the downtrodden and stuff like that. But not for our own selfish anything, you know, even if it's something that we deserve, like even if somebody wrong us. That ain't for us because like when we get angry, we take matters into our own hands. Even if we wish something bad happens to them. Understand what I'm saying? But that ain't our place because these God's children, you know, at the end of the day, as well as the sound, the mosaic ark committed by someone was committed by someone that God created, you know? And so with that being said, we are to be slow to anger. You Definitely. I mean, like something you said just now, even had me thinking, it's almost gonna feel like one of our off of the part topics, right? But like at the end of the day, like what you really gotta realize is like, what do you really deserve? Hmm. Uh, like that's the question that really like some people just gotta ponder and think about like what do you really deserve at the end of the day? Because Lord giveth and the Lord take it away, as he sees fit. I mean, we got people like Job. In our human instinct, and even reading it, like, did Job deserve to go through what he went through? Right. And it's so funny because Job wasn't even mad, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was even mad. He just was sad. He was <laughs> sad and he had genuine questions like, right. why? But, I would have been mad, bro. I'd have been. I'd have been living. It's so much less I would have been mad about, bro. Like, so much less. Like, if Lose one of those plagues, children. if one of those things that happened to me in that day, I would have been mad, bro. But for all of those things, like, if I didn't see one of them servants run to me, I'd have been mad. I'd have been mad. Bro. <laughs> anyway, we can get the job one day, bro. <laughs> one day, one day. But like, it, my, like, my whole purpose was just to bring up that point. Like, what do you deserve? Because at the end of the day, remember, all of our righteousness but filthy rags to God. So when you really look at it, you really don't deserve nothing. Like everything we have is by God's grace. And I think once we have that mindset and that mentality, it really, it really keeps you humble because at the end of the day, you start reappreciating everything that you do have as a gift from God. And I think that's how more people need to look at life. And it's not saying like, don't have your own personal ambitions, but like at the end of the day, 
like Solomon says, it's all like just chasing after the smoke. Yeah. And I can't wait till we do a, a pod on selfish ambition. Because I feel like I need Diana, to add that to the list. <laughs> I can be real because I feel like I feel like that's not I and I look at the Greek definition of uh, uh, selfish ambition as it relates to was it Galatian when they talk about the ox of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And you know, they talk about it other times in Romans. So that's why I said we have to do a deep study on it. And, and I didn't do that yet, but based on what I was looking at in the Greek, it didn't give me that ambition itself is selfish, but it's a certain type of things that you do that is selfish ambition. And it may or may not align with you taking a career path or whatever. But anyway, that's that's, that's something we're going to... Or I added to the list. And for those yeah. who are actually listening, they're like, we actually, I actually did go back and like kind of make a record of the episodes like this that we say we're going to talk about. So come on, we have a lesson. We actually plan on like putting some of those out this year. So you might have a break from your regularly scheduled weekly program, but I think it'll be for the best. So back to... One more thing for Ruth. So I, I know I haven't done this since like episode four, but I was curious at the end of last week's episode to actually go back because we got a little mini genealogy. Now she just like flushed out the family tree a little bit more. But if you was to go from Judah to David, and again, we haven't harped on this point in a while, but names have meanings. And so especially in the Hebrew language, which which is what they were speaking and these books were written in up to this point. So Judah means one who praises the Lord. Perez breaks open a way into Heron, Ram, Abinadab, Nashon, Solomon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David. Those are like, that's the, that's from, we're going from Judah, who we talked about last week was like, you know, from going from like, you know, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, David was from the tribe of Judah. And so just going down, so Judah means the one who praises the Lord. His son breaks open into, breaks away open, breaks open away into Perez, um, an area surrounded by a wall of great light. Oh, my people who belong to the prince, a prophet clothed with strength, who serves is here, one well beloved. And so I, mean, I guess I'll just read it through one more time. So if you go from Judah to David, um, through Judah, Perez, Heron, Ram, Abinadab, Nashon, Solomon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and David. It reads, one who praises the Lord breaks open a way into an area surrounded by a wall of great height. O my people who belong to the prince, a prophet clothed with strength, who serves the Lord is here, one well-beloved. And so it's just, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. Like how, again, we see almost a hidden message hidden in the genealogy. And again, this one is is going to start tracing all the way back to Jesus. So it'll be interesting just to keep that in mind as we go through the pod. Right. That's two genealogies we already did. It's one more genealogy. We could take us to deep to Jesus from David. Yeah. So those, those two together, you can combine those two together and they still make a complete thought. You understand what I say? And that ain't something that we, may need to do right now just for the sake of time but but when we get to the to the third mm-hmm. portion of that as as it connects to jesus we it's gonna be interesting one full long list of names and their meetings yeah we'll have to put them on screen at that point yeah. <laughs> but yeah so um this week probably given already given away by the title at this point we're still in the book of samuel um i guess 
couple of things to note before we actually like get into the book itself. I know in, in our current Bible today, we have first and second Samuel, but back in the day in ancient Hebrew, they were actually one book. They actually weren't divided until the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew to Greek. They were one scroll. It was, yeah, one scroll Bible project. <laughs> the Bible project says that they were still one scroll. It was one long scroll. Total Bible project, though. Definitely check those, check those, check those guys out. Like they're amazing. Yeah. Like they are a standard in modern animation and explaining the Bible. So definitely not to diminish them anywhere. Like check, check them out. But and so when, when, another thing that makes this book so interesting is that it's called Samuel. And even though he dies in first Samuel, all the second Samuel. It's essentially about David and his children and David's fall. But he's like, so we know part, like a lot of the, a lot of the beginning part of the book, you could definitely say Samuel contributed, but we also know there had to be other contributors to this book. Mm-hmm. I personally, I was telling Kazi even before, like I, I honestly give this book a little nickname, say the book of David, because <laughs> 90% of most of what we know about David comes from the book of Samuel. I remember when I was smaller and I, I liked to do, I had to do a sermon. And granted, this one, I didn't know the Bible like that. And ironic because, you know, I'm doing a sermon. But anyway, like, <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, right? So it was like, oh, yeah, I was trying to find a story of David and Goliath. I was like, yo, so I'm supposed to be like in the book of David or something. <laughs> the go along. Oh, it's in Samuel. Samuel? Why is it in Samuel? <laughs> like, that makes sense. But yeah, so Psalms is going to be a great book. I mean, we're probably going to be in Samuel for a while in its entirety, Samuel 1 and 2. Kind of feel reminiscent of probably Genesis and Exodus, where we had a lot of stories and stuff to go through. So, I guess buckle up for the ride. It'll be a long one, especially if we incorporate some of these other things or these other type style of episodes that we want to do. So, but I think it'll all be good. Anyway, to get off of that topic now. So, I mean, just get setting the scene here. Um, we all know the children of Israel left Egypt many moons ago. They made it to the promised land, finally. And in the time of the promised land, they were supposed to conquer the land and run out everybody. Sorry. Yep. <coughs> My bad. Woo! Stay healthy, guys. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were supposed to run out and drive everyone out of the land. Um, the tribes got complacent and didn't do that. And essentially what God did was he left the people there to be snares for them. As we see slowly but surely, the Israelites, who were supposed to be the ones spreading the knowledge and the wisdom of the one true God, started to take on and worship the gods of the surrounding Canaanite nations. And so in this time, some of these Canaanite nations got strength, as we would say, got strength or God with Jewish presence from the Israelites. And the Canaanite nations was able to rise up and overthrow the Israelites. The Israelites rose up, men cried out. God raised up a judge, hence the book of Judges. And he did that several times each time the people would rise up. But at the end of Judges, we see children of Israel essentially spiraled out of control, where there was essentially a civil war where the tribes came together and almost wiped out the tribe of Benjamin. So we really could see the state of morality in Israel was almost diminished. Um, And this key line in the last chapter of the book was, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And this was the time before they had a king. So now we're going to start addressing some of these things in the book of Samuel. Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. And most importantly, well, I shouldn't say most importantly, but equally as, equally as important, Israel had no king. So this brings us to the book of Samuel. You want to say something? 
No, no, no. I was trying, I was giving you the word notable because you was thinking important. But so definitely, this is probably taken. This this would be like a continuation of the book of Judges. But you know, Ruth happened sometime between these two between these two books, so they had to put it somewhere. So you know, bef- before we get to continue the story of Israel, let's just <laughs> give you this little commercial break with Ruth. And so that's where the real Samuel taking place from. <coughs> What's interesting is though, I I think. Some so at some point in time in this book they mention a judge, you understand? But I'm, I'm thinking this takes place after Samson, you know what I'm saying? When they Israel just has no leader. But what's also interesting is that in the book of Judges, there's very little talk about like religious leaders outside of the judges. And the judges they were far from quote unquote religious leaders. In the in the last few chapters of Judges, we they mentioned Levites a few times, and those were not good stories or a good depiction of what Levites or priests or any type of religious leader should be or should act like. But in the book of Samuel, which takes place after this time, which you could assume that the times were still bad, they were still living without a king, and they were still rebellious as a nation. But we do see. The, the religious influence of the leaders. So that just goes to show that they did have that during the time of the judges, but those guys probably made very little impact or actually served, didn't serve the Lord that, that zealously. Definitely. So you want to kick it off in uh, Samuel 1? I'm going to need you yes. to probably read more tonight because yeah, I, I got my, you. my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, bro. I can take the point tonight. <laughs> but I, Samuel 1, there was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zufite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, Benina. Benina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. She had a few, so she had a whole family on yeah. her side. <laughs> but to <coughs> Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Interesting. The Lord had, had closed the womb. Exactly. So, I mean, even before you keep on going, it's a couple of things right now. So, like, even from the first line of the story, we see there was a certain man. And to me, this even goes back to like, just how God works. Is usually not, it's usually like the least suspecting people. Like it almost reminds me of getting like, I'm the least of the least in my family. Like we see God moving through everyday, ordinary people, not even like some people of notoriety or anything like that. So like, that was just interesting in itself. Like, this, like the book starts, there's a certain man, he, nothing's really special about him, but you know, we know a lot of God use him. And again, we see this polygamy thing. It, it, it don't it don't pan out too nicely, right. like all the way from Abram, Abram to Abraham. You know, same same guy, um, Jacob. Jacob. Well, well, all right. So the first person in the Bible that we know to be a polygamist was our good brethren Abimelech. He had two wives: Ada, Zillah. <laughs> What did he say? I got to remember. I was going to say, lend me your air. But that's it, was, it, was like, it was like, lend me your ass or something like that. It was so poetic. Like. I have killed a man for my wanting. 
and another <laughs> mod for my something else. Injured you did the skit. It's been a while since said, Genesis. He said, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. Mm-hmm. That's what he said, right? And so this is the first time the Bible mentions polygamy. And I'm like, that's so interesting because like the Bible, they do have consistent themes, right? So the first time he had polygamy, they identify what type of man this was. He was mm. a murderous guy. And he, it's like he kind of didn't care because he was like, yeah, just listen to me. Hear me out. Like, this what I this what I used to be doing type of thing, right? The next time we hear about it, this guy, he had no intentions of being uh, a polygamist, but his wife kind of peer pressure into it and they were desperate to have a child. So this is what happened. This is, this is Abraham I'm describing. Then mm-hmm. Jacob, another man who had no intentions of having two wives. Well, at the time of the story, I don't know what his heart, what these men's heart was like. I can, I can say with good faith, Abraham didn't, because he was super old when he when he when he remarried, but um, or when he got his second wife, Jacob didn't have any intentions of that. He was coerced into marrying two women at the same time. Um, we don't know what Ada and Zilla relationship was like, because the story wasn't that much about them. But Abraham and his wives, strife, mm-hmm. jealousy, taunting, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob. And Jacob, Jacob just had a raw deal because it was it was the wives and their servants. Mm-hmm. So, so Jacob had a lot of drama going on. And we did see sibling rivalry because of him. And mm-hmm. these women, they found their value in him. And you can see that by the way they named their children. You understand what I'm saying? When this one have a child, she's saying, oh, maybe I'll give him another child. Maybe he'll love me and, and X, Y, Z. These ain't good, like emotionally. These aren't good situations for women to be in, for anyone to be in. Exactly. This rivalry, but in your marriage, like it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit crazy to meet in the cars. So moving down the line, I mean, Moses, we didn't see Moses have these type of issues. Like we ain't had no relationship issues with, among the men that only had one wife. Now, of course, every, every relationship, friendship, romantic, every, everything of issues, but you add another variable to that. Mm-hmm. And the, the probability of having an issue, it grows is, is what I'm saying. And so now we see a consistent theme in the Bible of men with two wives that quarrel amongst each other. And we also see a consistent theme of women whose womb have been closed by God for his glory together. Man, even one thing on that too, like the the couple, the multiple wives stuff, like in society today, it's getting kind of weird because you're starting to see like this polygamy stuff getting promoted and people saying oh it's cool it could work nah like that just ain't of god like just just straight up like i ain't even just ain't cool f- it just it just it just don't work at the end of the day go go for I, it i had a friend who asked me like and he was talking about it, like it's some among black people it, like it somehow always just go back to what was happening in africa for some reason <laughs> like to me this is be funny because it's like africa is such a big place bro like would this was happening everywhere in africa and it's specific <laughs> to where your ancestors from like i do know that definitively but i'm not uh, like let me let me stop being funny but he was saying that men you understand but he's speaking from like a black man perspective but i'm sure he meant all men um we aren't designed to be polygamous and i've heard people i mean to be monogamous and I've heard people say that multiple times. Monogamy meaning like just one one wife to one husband. Polygamous meaning one person to multiple partners. Basically, for those who, who don't know the meaning. And my thing is like, if we Christians, whatever we say, have to be 
directly supported by the Bible. And if there's no direct support, it has to be kind of alluded to in the Bible in some way where you could deduce it, right? Or based on your convictions, if it's like literally nothing there, you know what I'm saying? Based mm-hmm. on your conviction. My thing is, before we get before we get to David and Solomon, these people who had many, many wives, we already see the people who couldn't even handle two wives. You understand what I'm saying? And it ain't even about handling. We see the discord that lied among two women to one man. You understand? And then at the end of the day, why God, if Adam was perfect, right? And God know that it wasn't good for him to be alone. Why God didn't just give him two women right then and there or more like to, to make exactly. my guy Adam happy. You understand? Like to me, like it proves that it, 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 it disproves the idea that men cannot be satisfied with just one. But I do feel like in life, bro, <laughs> men in society are, I don't feel like it's our fault, you know, but I just feel like we are led to believe that overindulging is something that should be natural to us, but that's, that's, that's it's something that's natural. And so like looking at women and imagining and lusting after them, like we don't treat that the same way that we treat homosexuals that may lust, that might be in a relationship. You understand what I'm saying? The way, the way men in society just view sex in general, we don't treat that the same way we treat women who may have promis- a promiscuous like lifestyle, you know, we don't treat the two the same. And then when it comes to anger, I feel like I've been talking about anger and just forgiveness for a while now, because this is something that's very present in my life. You understand what I'm saying? I don't feel like men are generally encouraged to be forgiving. I feel like men are generally encouraged to settle the score or to get revenge or to, to cut off or like to me, to not have discipline or to not show love or restraint. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fruit of the spirit. A fruit of the spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. You might feel like you, bro, you can, and it's so funny because we can develop unhealthy um, attractions to, or not attractions, unhealthy desires for healthy stuff. Like I'll say food, for example, I'm the type of person I gain a lot of weight and I lose a lot of weight. I do it fast every year. Last year, I lost 48 pounds. Earl, you could, you could attest to this. The but man I, just did. It, I just put it back on quick too. Because I, f- I realized that I was overindulging when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. If it's something that I like, cheesecake, for instance, I am not going to with- withhold that for myself. But that's not a fruit of the spirit. That's, that's not self-control. And I'm and I using something so simple because some people might listen to this and say, I'm being ridiculous, but I'm not. A fruit of the spirit is self-control. I will not be acting in the spirit if I give into every desire that I have. The you understand what I say? Of the flesh. Every fleshy desire that I have, if I just give into it, give into it, give into it, I will be spiritually disconnected from God, you know, because I'm living a life of full indulgence. And if I get to decide what I indulge in, then how will it's like, I, Nikaz, I'm not perfect and neither, neither is anybody else in the world. We don't have the authority to decide what we can indulge in or not. That's why God tell us to. And even the things that he give us, we abuse it. That's mm-hmm. why fruit of the spirit is essential for God to even say that. And so now as we read the text, we could see well, not having, not cutting something off, like meaning not stopping at one wife is causing stress and drama into the, into, in, into the whole family household. Hold on one more point, bro. Go for we it, go see, for it. We can see where Jacob having a polygamous relationship, it caused his sons to almost kill their other brother. 
that would have never happened if Jacob, if Jacob only had one, if only he only had one wife. Even if his one wife was Leah, that wouldn't have happened because there would be no favoritism. Man, even so if you go back to Abraham, if Abraham never had Ishmael, there would hmm. not be any Ishmael. Bro, bro. We would bro, have some like, peace in the Middle East. Right. It would be, it would be much more peaceful. And Joseph wouldn't wouldn't have been sold to the Ishmaelites. Mm-hmm. Because it wouldn't have been no Ishmaelites. You know, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of things in history and in the Bible could have just been avoided if this guy just wasn't here. Like this, this child who was born unlawfully, who wasn't in the plan, who was a direct um disobey uh, disobedience of God, just mm-hmm. wasn't there, you know. And so up until this point, we can't, bro, up until this point, and I can even go as far as to say for, for the rest of the Bible, we can't see anything that proves that. This is what God wants in terms of men and women just to have polygamous relationships or aspire for polygamy or to think that you can't. Because my thing is, bro, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't be satisfied with one, how you can be satisfied with two? How you can be satisfied with three? Like, I just feel like you ain't gonna be satisfied, period. And that's something you just have to admit. Man, and I know we on a slight tangent, but that's so real. Like, even growing up, like how certain things are just so, how do I say, glorified? When you get older, you like, man, it's just, just stupid. It's just stupid. So, I mean, like, you know, sexualized with females and all that kind of stuff. So, like, as you get older, you're like, bro, like, okay, cool. This ain't, this ain't what y'all say it should have been. Mm-hmm. But um, another thing I want to point out, too, is just interesting, like, how a lot of the more important female side stories that we read, how their wombs are closed by God. And it just goes yeah. to show, too, like sometimes your trial that you're going through, that you don't understand why God has you in this predicament, is so that he can be glorified, not in like a selfish way by God, but it's like he has a purpose for your trial. He has a, he has a, he has a personal testimony that he's given you that you can like actually, that you don't see it in the moment, but you, 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 like, you have a way to bless others and be blessed from whatever you're going through. So it's just interesting. So I guess, yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, verse six. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And, and so that's the point we were making. <clears throat> Hannah's womb is closed. And her wife mate, <laughs> I don't know, her partner mate, I don't know, even know what to call it, picking her up for that. You understand? So it's obvious that this ain't a three-way relationship. There's two people who are in a relationship with one person and they don't have love towards each other. Because my thing is, that's such a, like my thing is, bro, that's such a sensitive topic. For anybody, man or woman, if you can't have children, bro, that's that's a that's 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 tough. And your rival, who have an abundance of children, sons, plural, and daughters, right? She just picking at you, just picking at you because she feel like she win. And all of this is is for the love and affection of one man. And and they don't even they don't even stop to think that they shouldn't be enemies of each other. It's like the man who put them in their predicament. That's where your animosity should should go. But you can't be mad at him because you want love. You know what I mean? So you have to put that anger somewhere else. And it's just so like, funny too, because like this, like we saw this even before with Rachel and Leah, like the animosity be- between them. I know we already say that, so yeah, keep going. Yeah, um, this one on for seven. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So you could see Hannah. This was Hannah was not okay with this. She was not okay with being in a polygamous marriage. This was not working out for her husband. Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? 
Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Your heart in the right place, Elkano. Mm. But you know it ain't the same, bro. You know it ain't the same, bro, because it's like, you know, like, oh, you can't, you can't serve two masters. Either you love one and hate the other type of situation. Mm-hmm. You can't give someone your undivided attention when you have a whole lot of family in the, in the same house. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it just ain't going to be the same, bro. I didn't know that. But think about it too, man. Like, <clears throat> you in the presence of the Lord, in the house of the Lord. And you, all you can do is still weep because of the pain and the anguish you're feeling at home. Mm. Like, that's just powerful right there, like in itself. Like, you crying and weeping. Like, weeping just shows so much more of a deep emotion, a deep hurt than just crying. So I like the word choice there. It's just weeping. Like, that just shows how bad and how, how awful she, she felt because of this. Because, I mean, here's the thing too. Like, just think about it from like a love perspective. You wholeheartedly love this man. Right, I remember in ancient times, it's almost like a disrespect. I say disrespect, but it's very looked down upon that you cannot produce an heir for him mm-hmm. to carry on his line. So now you really love him, but you can't do the one thing that you felt like you want to do. Plus, if you want to be a mother, like I, I, as guys, we just can't really honestly, honestly, can't really comprehend how much a female like that motherly bond they have with their children and to mm-hmm. want to experience that. But to not only have this, you have a constant reminder of your failures. Not only in your face every day, but provoking you every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's after crazy. year, after year. So like when you really like just humanize the hurt and the pain she feeling, like, bro, that's a lot to go through, man. <laughs> Imagine, right? Imagine you live your life, right? Let's say, let's say Hanan, Panan, Panana, uh, Panaya, whatever, right? yeah. <laughs> right. And P, right? The lady who named Simon P. Imagine she reading the Bible, bro, and realized she was the villain in all of this, bro. That sucks, bro. Like, you're on the wrong side of history. You know what I mean? Like, that's just crazy to me. But yeah, this, this, this just, I don't know, this is unnecessary. This like very avoidable, like drama that is going on. And, and I feel, I feel like your marriage and your household should be a place of peace. You know what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeling this way uh, in your marriage. And I sure how Hannah probably think to herself, bro, if I wasn't even married, you know what I mean? I probably would have had a better deal. I would not have been, I would have been sad maybe that I single, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I ain't getting taunted somebody and picking at me and poking at my weakness. You know what it is? Someone poking at your weakness, bro. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. It ain't like someone making fun of you for something and you accept it. You know, there's something you care about. The woman ain't even eating. She ain't even eating there in the house of the Lord. Sacrifice. She have a double portion in front of her. But double she ain't even portion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you Double can see portion this. showing that I love you more. More. Like you're more highly favored. But again, right. it's still showing that the pain she was feeling from this pro- the action word for provoking constantly. Yeah. Provocation, <laughs> I guess. That's the one I was trying to say, but it was getting fumble coming off of my tongue. Yeah. But that I just, that I just be making up words sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but yeah so like and think about it too like what's the response like don't i mean more to you than 10 sons like essentially saying i know i feel it but i would have been way more happy if it was just me and you Mm for real like you wanted the son so bad my bad but you wanted the son so bad that you got the second wife 
Mm. And that's like a, just a constant slap in the face day after day. But you, can tell, do. but you can tell us what he did though. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you love this woman so much, why you have another wife? Is it because you wanted more than one wife? Because why you don't have three? You understand what I'm saying? Why you stop at Penaya or Penaya? Let me, let me see how to spell how to pronounce this word. This was this woman here, right? Like, why you ain't, why you ain't just stop there? Mm-hmm. Penaya, yeah. I mean, why, why, you, why you didn't just keep going? <clears throat> like, to me, it shows that it's the same thing with, with Rachel and Leah. You had, you had the wife that you really love. No, no, no. We could say Abraham and Hagar. You mm-hmm. had the wife, your wife, you know, the one that you chose. But then this is someone, this is right. This is someone else that you needed because the first wife could not bear a son. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that's the case and we can make that assumption, this is a strong assumption based on the other two people who were in the similar situation when it comes to children and, and multiple mm-hmm. wives. Um, <clears throat> if that's the situation, you know, this is, this is a touchy subject and it meant a lot to Elkanah to the point where he had to marry, he felt like he had to marry someone else. And this is this, this a man of God. This a man, we... We ain't here, but no other people in, in judges who was coming there oh, frequently coming to the temple, right? Offering sacrifices. We have people doing that for bail. People who do serious sacrifices. We ain't got to go back to that. But mm-hmm. this man, this, this is a man who know God. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? This ain't, like this ain't just a, a, a person who miseducation. I, I am of the belief that he really knows God. But this was the lanes that he is willing to go to to prolong his line, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that make that make his wife feel bad, and and that'll make anybody partner feel bad. But imagine, like as a man, you can't fulfill something in your marriage that is so sacred to you, and then your wife have to go elsewhere to do that. that like even saying that making me sick to my stomach, just thinking about that. You understand what I say, bro? And so, like, just to be fair, that's what this woman has to go through, and so I sympathize with her. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm saying? And so now she's sick to her stomach. He try his best to say, <laughs> I read John with 10 cents. She, I know in her mind, she's like, no, you're not. You understand what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's still doing the best he can, given the circumstances that they are in. Verse 9, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no mm. razor will ever be used on his head. <laughs> Reminiscent of Samson's mother, except the angel told Samson's mother, whom we don't know her name, Samson's mother. Mm-hmm. Manoah's wife. Told, Manoah's wife, right? He told her, because she was also barren, Mm-hmm. You understand? The angels say, hey, you're going to have a child now. Make him a Nazarite. Um, what her name is? Um, Hannah. Hannah come and say, Lord, I will, I will dedicate him to be a Nazarite if you do this for me. So mm-hmm. we, can see, we can see how important this was for her and like how, just how desperate, you know, Hannah was to have a son or to mm-hmm. have a child. And even a couple of things here, like the first, like the first important thing I want to point out is that we see Hannah didn't complain at all, mm. per se, to God, yeah. but she carried her frustrations, her anger, her, her sorrows to God in prayer. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that she was praying so earnestly and so 
this is the best word I can use at this time. Mm-hmm. Perfectly, I guess, too. But like she was, she she was really praying that Samuel almost thought like she was drunk. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like she was, she 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 was in so Eli, much sorrow. Eli. Pardon me? Eli, 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 Eli yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah this money, you know. <laughs> yeah, this one for yet. Yeah. <laughs> but Eli thought she, she was drunk. And to me, like that's so powerful because like so much people are just being like just lashing out. But she was like, okay, God. You are the only person who can even remotely understand what I'm going through. You are the mm-hmm. only person who knows my pain and how much this is hurting me. And to me, what is also so powerful, and to me, what should be commended, she say, Lord, if you give me a son, I would give him up and give him back to you. Mm. Mm. I like I, I and and to, like that's just super powerful. Like she's saying, God, almost don't even give me the son for me. Give me the son for you. Mm. And it's a couple of things like what Kasi just said. Kasi say like, okay, she was a Nas like this is supposed to be a Nas right. We can see the 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 imply in here. There's no reason that we touch. said the only person we ever saw this with was this was with Samson being a Nas right from birth. But we actually could go back to um, what's that in Deuteronomy and and actually like find out like the Nazarite um. The Nazarite vows actually it's numbers. Yeah, numbers. Go back in number six. But again, so it's a couple of things here. There was already from the tribe of Levi, and you could go to Chronicles and actually like search this, but there's already in the tribe of Levi. So the first thing there is the tribe of Levi is already dedicated to servicing God. That's the first thing. But the funny thing about it is if you go to um if you go, uh, I had it written down, I lost it. But you go back, uh, back to numbers again. Numbers 4.23, I mean, Numbers 4.2-3, take a census from the sons of Koath from among the children of Levi by their families, by their fathers, from 30 years and, and 30 years old and above, even to 50 years, all who will enter the service to do the work in the tabernacle meeting. So we mm-hmm. see from Numbers, even though you may be from the tribe of Levi, which kind of makes sense, can we see like not all Levites are actually working in the, working in the temple. So your, your service starts from 30 to 50 so what's so special here is she say, I will let him like give him to you from birth. So he's, he's going to be a Levite who is doing the duties in the temple. Not from birth, but from we're going to see if as soon as he can possibly be able to actually go to the temple. He was going to go to the temple and work. And then also Nazarites, even though the first Nazarite we actually got introduced to was Samson, who was, who was supposed to be a Nazarite from birth. Being a Nazarite, you wasn't like from, wasn't a from birth type of thing either. It was like, a, I'm going to make this vow to the Lord for like probably for a set period of time. So he was, he was almost like triple dedicated to the Lord. And that's so powerful because she didn't have to do this type of thing. But we see it was so earnest of a prayer. Is he want to say something? No, because Sam <coughs> Hannah reminded me of something with me. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a few things. And, and, I, and I love how, all right, so earlier, you know, God is so, God is wise, like, I don't have to like I don't have to explain nothing on behalf of God because God is just so wise. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I've had people that women that express to me like like something that like they just kind of not okay with, just how little representation they have had in the Bible. Like mm-hmm. and like I, I I sympathize to that and and sometimes I try to, you know, highlight women. Um but my thing is the women that have been mentioned that have their own story 
per capita. Mm-hmm. They outshine the men. We have a long line of men who get it right or wrong, and a lot of them get it wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But the women, like even up until now, like we don't, we don't, like we know Ruth. We know Reha. We know Deborah. You understand what I'm saying? We know Hannah. Like we, these people, they get it all the way right. And this is what I mean. Abraham was called, right? God said, hey, God called Abraham. Remember, we was doing grades back then. Mm-hmm. We, give, we, we give Abraham an A. He mm-hmm. just get up and gone. That's a man of faith. Yeah, boom. He demand living his life. He already content to know that he ain't having no children. Mm-hmm. God say, hey, you got a son, but like you see the son? That's how your descendants could be. But count if you can count the son, you'll be able to count your descendants. That's how much descendants you got. Boom, right? That's a promise from God. God finally give him his son, and God tell him go up there and sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. Give it back to God. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm saying? God basically give him a gift, bro. The thing that he care about the most, he made his whole life to get this. And then God said, but give me that box. Mm-hmm. Give me that raid box. You understand what I said? And, and the point I'm making is, bro, sometimes God has given us stuff, bro, and we just end up holding on to it more than we hold on to God, bro. That has become our God, bro. I make I make it a point, and I ain't even share this with you, bro. I make it a point, bro. I ain't making secular music no more, bro. Mm-hmm. If I don't make music, I think I might have tell you this on Sunday. Yeah. I ain't too sure. Yeah. I did. Yeah. But it's <laughs> all good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I ain't doing secular music no more. If I don't, if I don't do, if I do music, it could be dedicated to God. But God Breaking gave me this alert. talent. <laughs> Breaking news, world premiere. <laughs> God give me this right, and now He taking it from me. Not to say He taking it from me, but He's saying, "But give me that back." But look at Hannah. Hannah do all of that one time, built in. She say, "All right, give me a son, right? I I could dedicate him to you." And then guess what? I can give him back to the temple to do your work. God ain't even hard to say, bro, I can give you this, but this could be a snare to you. You know you care about this more than anything else worldly. And you might you might actually put this more than anything else in the heavens, more than me. Hannah say, bro, I want you to do this for me. And guess what? I ain't allowing this to get in between us. And we know about Hannah want that. The stakes was higher. With me, the stakes was not higher. If I never make it in music, bro, I, I have a career as an accountant. You understand what I'm saying? I come from a loving family. Sure, I could do something. You know what I mean? I I, I could do blue collar work. I, I could do whatever. Like, like, you know what I mean? I can stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But sometimes when God calling us, right, to leave or to give up that thing, sometimes we might be like Lot and drag off it. This is for his own this is for his own um good. And I was reading up on, on Sodom and Gomorrah a lot this week because but you could see all, by, by everything but the die here, but you could see that can happen. But he's still tarry. Mm-hmm. Why he tarry, bro? I am convicted that he's tarry, tarry because his whole family wasn't with him. He had his two virgin daughters, but he had two, he had he had daughters plural that were married. That mm-hmm. could be two, that could be three, that could be ten daughters he had. You understand? They just say they just say sons in law. You feel me? Who wouldn't tarry if you got to leave your child behind while everything getting destroyed? You understand what I'm saying? But he tarry. And in doing so, he make light of the situation how severe it is to, to leave when God say leave or to give God the house, the career, everything you build in Sodom to be able to, to just give that to God as he take that away type of situation. Because you could have died with that. You could say, but I give another. I die with that. That's what his, that's what his sons and Lord them say. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? But we have Hannah. Hannah ain't skylocking, bro. We we can see, like you say, Hannah ain't complaining, right? And then at the same time, 
she she decide that God, I willing to work with you, and I'm not gonna work against you. If you bless me with this thing, I will be responsible with my gift. And that's why I say, like the women in the Bible, although they aren't mentioned at the rate of the men, we could we could agree. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. ain't a secret, but they getting it right. Understand? We don't have women in the Bible as villains. Like we have every now and then, you might have a woman like Miriam who, you know, X Y Z. She allow herself to get caught up. But then mm-hmm. we have Cora, we have Corin, and the whole family, like a few chapters later, who do the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? But the women, for the most part, get it right. And we can see Hannah. Hannah really stand on her ten toes and say, God, this is for you. I ask him, I ask him for this, but I'm willing to give it, I'm willing to give it to you. Like this, I, I, I ain't trying to be selfish with the gift that you give me. And then we're so powerful about that too, right? Even going back to the same examples that you use and the same examples from the Bible. What happens when the favorite wife gets a child. Mm. A child is also held in such high regard, even by the father, that it causes even a more rift in the family. Mm. And so it, it, to me, that's even more interesting too. She's like, I ain't even letting this happen either. And again, to your point, I ain't gonna let, I ain't gonna put this child on no high pedestal either. Like, God, if you bless you with this child, he gonna be back to, he gonna, I'm gonna give him back to service to you. And again, it, it even reminds me of like the point earlier in the podcast, like just being humble. And she was humble enough to, like you say, freely offer her son back to the service of the Lord. And this thing like Jephthah's vow where she swear, he say, I'm going to sacrifice if you do this or whatever. No, she's saying, God, like you see, she had a deep connection with the Lord. Lord, I love you so much. I know you could do this. If it's your will, you give me a child, I'm giving him back into service with you, for you. Because at the again, at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about it, like I'm already barren. Like I don't like deserve a son, a, a child, a son. So if you bless me with this, I have no problem with giving it back to you. It's not, it's not, and it's not saying I'm going to love the child any less. It's not saying that I don't respect or appreciate the gift. To me, it's almost a deeper appreciation. Like, I love what you've done for me so much that you can have them to use for your will to bless others. And to me, that's important. And I think that's a powerful lesson right there. And and that 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 ain't normal, bro. That's like, no. that's, that's irregular faith. Like, that's the faith <laughs> that we should have. You understand what I'm saying? But I just can't, I ain't really solid with, honest, I ain't really grasped that completely because, bro, let's say, God, the one, your one thorn in your side, bro, you can't have a child, bro. That's the only thing right now. That's the main thing right now that just keep me up at night. And God fixed that. But now I got to give it right back away. Like, it sounds like you ended up at square one. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you saying that, God, I asking you for this and I know you could do it. You understand what I'm saying? But I ain't gonna hold on to this tighter than I supposed to. I ain't gonna hold on to this to the point where I wouldn't give this up. You remember in, in, in Matthew 10, we mentioned this during the Sodom and Gomorrah episode. You know, it's something mm. along the lines, it's me paraphrasing. If if you if you love your your mother or your father or your sons or your daughters more than you Other love me, me, you are not mm-hmm. you're not you're not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And that's <laughs> really said that. Ooh. Right. And Hannah, and Hannah ready. Hannah was ready for that. You know what I mean? Because Hannah saying this, this the thing that I care about so much. But at the same time, I still care about you more. It's like I remember one time you was telling me, bro, when you get your paycheck, bro, you gotta give tithes first. <laughs> you see what I said? Because I was the type of person I used to give tithes last. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I pay this, da 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 da. All right, not nah, tithes, right? But it's at the end of the day, what you have to lose, you thanking God for blessing you because you know God can continue to bless you if you know this coming from God. You shouldn't have a problem giving back to God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that's basically the thing with Hannah. But me, I used to be like, man, 
But <laughs> when it comes to thighs, I can see how I go. I can see once I don't finish pay, this that da, 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 da. We can see how I go. And that that's 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 like saying you're willing to that's like putting yourself in a position to compromise God above compromising anything else. And Hano was saying, I'm not gonna compromise God. You know, I can make and sure God's straight. Exactly. And even on the tides thing, right? I know since we just touched on it, but even on the tides thing, I guess like for me, my whole logic was then too, is that until this day, like, bro, like because remember, that, remember that times I used to be I used to be back tithing too. That's why I was like, yo, I really have to make a change and get out of this, right? Because here's the thing. Tithe is one, thanking God for what he's done for you and also appreciation of faith. So now, if I'm asking God to bless me, right? Let's just say I get $3,000 every three weeks, right? I mean, every two weeks, right? <clears throat> and the first thing I do is I pay tithes order it. So I take my little $300 and I give my sense little, but anyway, they turn dollars I give back to God, right? So now I say in God, this $2,700 that I have left, please bless it and work wonders. Now, I pay all my bills first, <laughs> all my rent and everything, then pay them out, buy my groceries, yada, yada, yada. And then at the end, I only got $400 left and I say, ooh, child, now to pay the tithes. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're saying it was $300 either way. But here's the thing. I rather give God more room to work, even though he doesn't need it. I rather give him more room to work because here's the thing. God blesses us in ways that we can't even think or imagine or fathom and we don't even understand what's happening. But you're asking God to bless you. And he will bless you. But now if you wait till the end, I'd rather God bless $2,700 than just one hundred. Because now I really could be hanging on by some super, super, super faith. Not saying that ain't a bad thing, but I'd rather be in that predicament if I could help it. <laughs> but that's just a little then, piece on tides. <laughs> yeah, and then when we read, when we read Exodus, right? <clears throat> we read Exodus, it was uh, Exodus 34, 26. I only read half the verse. You shall bring the very first of the fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. First. And so that, yeah, that validated for me. But then Exodus 22, verse 29 you shall not delay the offering from your harvest and your vintage, right? And then this is funny too, because I was supposed to look this text up. This is the same text, Exodus 22, verse 29. The firstborn of your sons, you shall give to me. Mm. And so Hano is already telling God. Right, so Hano, Hano was well within the law, you know what I'm saying, to give to God. I don't know what all ways you can do that outside of being a Levite. Like, if you're not a Levite, I don't know what giving your first son to God looks like. But Hannah was saying, God, I ain't, uh-uh, I ain't overstepping my boundaries. I'm still going to be faithful to you, despite how, like, <clears throat> how important this son is to me. Because you would think that she wouldn't want to let that son go. This would be like how Jacob used to treat Benjamin. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is my last favorite son I got left. I hold him tight. You know what I mean? But she was saying, no, God, I ain't going to hold this tighter than you know, I hold, I hold this tight to the detriment of my relationship with you. Definitely. So where are we at now? Oh, we should, yeah, we should, we should actually been um, at verse 12. <laughs> as she, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed the mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. Some other translations say, or strong drink. 
I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something. So now she eat after, after she already get to pray. Now she get all that, all that hurt <laughs> off her chest. For real. And her face was no longer downcast. Mm. Early, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. And they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Beautiful. Verse 21. When her husband Elkanah went up with all, with all family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, and he for a flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live. I am the woman who stood there beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he will and and he worship the Lord there. Amen. Amen. I didn't remember. I was like, oh, I'm gonna just let you finish because I'm like looking at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's so much even there to just unpack, but like even going back to like Eli, this is a priest, the high priest, who was so astonished at what this woman was doing. He was like, Bruh, you only could be drunk. Which also, again, tells the state of Israel at this point too. For that even to be a common thing where the priest would think that this woman is drunk in the temple praying. So again, it shows just the state of Israel because that, that, that shouldn't be a common thing at all. Mm-hmm. But again, but, go for it. But the way, the way he react, it's like he know, like it's almost like Eli... See this before, like mm-hmm. oh, I, that's how they get when they get drunk, you know. Like you see, he was ready to tell her, like, just get away, like move. But yeah. <laughs> you, but but again, Hannah being humble, like she ain't even saying like humble, like no, like no. Here's what's really happening. I'm deeply hurt, you know. What I'm saying like I'm here. I ain't drink. I'm sober, like sober as could be. Actually, matter of fact, I ain't even got no food in me at all. <laughs> For real. <laughs> if you want me to be honest, <laughs> like, don't think I wicked. Like, I just here, just bringing my sorrows before the Lord. And I mean, it's just powerful. That's powerful because that's a sermon where Eli never even see that type of prayer before. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Someone so desperate and so earnest and really just, just, I don't know, just, just grieving before God. Exactly. And you see, he, he essentially almost turned this rebuke into a blessing. Go in yeah. peace and may the Lord of God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And then so we see even after that, we see after she get all this off of her heart, she was able to smile. She was no longer looking like she was 
downcast. She had a smile on her face and then she was actually able to eat and worship the Lord. Because we see the night before, she wasn't worshiping the God. Mm. And again, just shows you like how much hurt and sorrow she was in. But then I would say the happy ending to the whole story. We didn't get too much of those in, in Judges. <laughs> but we mm. see she actually, had a, she actually had a son. She actually had a son. And to me, it's still, it's still powerful. How after all this, she didn't, change up her words. She didn't, re- she didn't go back on her promise to the Lord. She kept her promise wholeheartedly. And she said, like, as soon as I finish weaning him, I'll take him up. And back in those days, like, weaning could take two to three years, just depending on culturally. I mean, it wasn't really like, no, you know. But still, like, she still, after that, she earned, like, she actually kept the promise and actually took him to the temple to spend the rest of his days there. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. I, 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 I appreciate Hannah and Ruth. Just two women back to back who, who just stand tall. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's leadership. That's that's ministry. You know, that's that's inspiring. Because I don't know. I just I just find it I just find it so remarkable. The things, like just the loyalty between those two, like Root, Root was loyal. Root, we know Root was loyal. Like that, even something you gotta, you gotta question. Mm-hmm. Like just devoted. But Hannah too. Like think about it. Think about if Hannah was on the other side of, of the, of the fence, bro. Like think about if she did renege. You know what Boy. I mean? Like, like I feel like it's so tempting. You wait so long to have this thing. But I right, just think about how emotional. Your parents are when it's time for you to move to college, you know what I mean, or just move in like a like in, in like a milestone, like time to leave the NASA. Like just think about it, bro. Like I think I used to think about <clears throat> my mom when I when we moved because it was me. She went from having two kids in the house, twins, my sister and I to no one in the house. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just imagine you wait all this time. Just have a child, and then you just gotta let the child go, and that's a forever thing. You know, your child ain't gonna get to grow up with you. You don't get to share certain moments. That's a big deal with with Hannah did. You know, that's a really that's a really big deal, and and it just go to show the amount of reverence and respect and self control she had even for God, even with mm-hmm. God. It's one so it's one more thing, right? So like, I just looked up Hannah. What Hannah means, because again, names have meanings. Mm. And it's interesting in Hebrew, her name actually means favor or grace. And it's so interesting because her name means favor or grace, Hannah. And we see how God had so much favor and grace with her. And not because she did anything special or deserved it, but and, and again, in our human in our, in our human minds, we can rationalize that yes, Hannah did deserve to have a kid because she was going through was atrocious and Penea Penea shouldn't have treated her that way. But at the end of the day, like God didn't have to give her a son, but she had so much faith, and in her faith and in her earnest actions before God, she was God bestowed upon her favor and grace and gave her a son. Mm. And to me, like that's powerful, like. Again, God in his infinite wisdom knows what's best for us. 
And again, more importantly, at the point of time, what's best for us. Because wholeheartedly, I'm sure this isn't Hannah's first prayer to God. Mm-hmm. But the time wasn't right yet for half the son. Because God knew in his infinite wisdom, when you have a son, who your son will be and what your son will do. And I'm going to need him on earth at a specific time. Because your son is going to have a specific message. Your son is going to, well, y'all know where we, which book we in. Your sons are going to anoint kings, not just one, multiple kings. You know what I'm saying? Like your, kind of, your son is going to counsel kings. Like your son, I have a special purpose for your son. So what you're going through right now might be rough. I don't know. But guess what? You're going to have a son. You will have a son. I will grant you what you want. It might not be when you want it. It might not be how you want it. But, I mean, God always gives us favor and grace, even above what we deserve or ask for. So it's just just important. And then have faith in actually saying to the Lord, you know what, I don't even want the son for me, even as much as I do want the son. I'm hurting and I'm crying out for this son. But I love my son so much, I'm willing to even dedicate him towards you for the rest of his life. I love my son so much. I know the best thing for him to be service to you. I'm willing to give up a close connection with my son so he can do your work. And just so interesting too, man, because like some people could argue like that's not fair. I mean, was it fair for Jesus to come back and die for our sins? <laughs> like, what, like what arguments are we making in the was grand scheme of things? Apples to apples, right? Was it fair for God to give his son to us? Exactly. You know what I mean? This is my son. You know what I mean? I had to give up my son to save you all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she gave up her son because it was like, this my God, this was my gift. This was God's gift to me, but this my gift to everybody else. And, And Samuel was a blessing. Mm-hmm. Everybody else and, and bro And it's so funny right You see how you say they, She needed him From God Place him at the right time Because you know You say it much better than me <laughs> When we When we When we understand The household that Samson was raised in Meaning The pre The temple And all Samuel that. Samuel Yeah I say Saulie You say Samson Oh <laughs> Samuel was raised there. You see that you can see these these names ripping our butt, bro. But when you realize that the household and the environment that he was raised in, it, it wasn't a more fitting time because he was needed. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and he showed a contrast between what people was doing and what you was what you called to do, you know. And if 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 Hannah was selfish, we wouldn't get that. My thing is, a lot of times. Our selfishness, but we could be straight, you know, bro. But a lot of times our selfishness could cost other people. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like well, that's a tangent can, in itself right there for me. Yeah, I bro, I, go for I, it. Yeah, yeah, no, for real, because the boss though on Sabbath, he just is preaching with this, bro. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But sometimes we could cost other people just being selfish, just being jealous, just harboring these things, harboring these fleshy things. Who would not want in their heart of hearts to shut their rival up? Embarrassed their arrival. I already getting a double portion. I have children. Who wouldn't want that? 
You understand what I said? But it's not of God. Hannah's, but to me, Hannah was saying, I ain't doing this for her. You understand what I said? But Lord, I want you to bless me, but I using my gift to bless others. Mm-hmm. That's Hannah. That's Hannah. Samuel lived with his family until he was weaned. And when that period was complete, Hannah gave Samuel to Eli the priest to be a servant in the house of the Lord. So even as a boy, Samuel wore priestly garments and ministered before the Lord. But the sons of Eli were scoundrels that had no regard for the Lord. But we'll talk more about them on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by Ayana Albertson Gay, as well as your host, Earl Roberts, and the Cars Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks everyone, and we'll see you next week.